I will tell you guys what. Uh, we have said this before, uh, probably a few times at this point, but um, I, I, I believe God has a word for us today. Amen. Okay? But let me tell you why. And, and we've, we've, we've said this before in the past as well. I struggled so much with what the Lord wanted to share today. I'm not going to lie to you all. I was struggling. I'm like, Lord, we got, we, the, the time is counting down. We've got to come together. You got to give it to me. Let's go. Come on. And, and finally, honestly, um, I don't know, Steve's not with us, but Steve talked to me just uh, maybe a couple months ago, and he said, listen, um, I'd, your daughter, Indy, sometimes we don't give the kids credit for, for much of anything. They're just little kids, right? He said, I would listen, and I would, I would pay attention to, to Indy. And uh, <laughs> it was Friday night, okay? <laughs> I told you, it was, I, was, I was struggling. It was Friday night, and I'm like, Lord, I've got like 15 different things that's on my mind. Help me. And Indy comes in and says, hey, can I help? And, I, and I'm like, honestly, babe, like I'm stressing out at the moment, so just give me time and space. Like that's what initially came to mind, right? And, and I literally thought of what Steve told me, and I was like, you know what? Let's, let's feel this out. So, so Indy comes in, and she starts talking to me, and sure enough, she leads me right to what I believe the Lord has for us today. Now, let me tell you, let me tell you why. I believe God has already confirmed this for me, so I'm a little jazzed up right now. Listen, I didn't know what the topic was till Friday night. The worship team picked their songs Wednesday night. I didn't even look at the songs till last night. I didn't look at them. All right, so I want you, I want you to put this in the memory bank for as we go through this, this sermon today. The first song was Freedom. The second song, See a Victory. He, takes, he turns what the enemy meant for evil, and he turns it for good. The third song is I Am No Longer a Slave. All right? The fourth song is, Lord, you are faithful. You're never going to fail me. Okay? So we're going to Exodus 16, where the Lord just got done pulling his people, his children, the Israelites, out of slavery, out of bondage. All right? That's where we're going. Chapter 16, verses 1 through 3. I'm just going to read these, and we're going to dive on in. But let's, let's read through this together. So verse 1, it reads, The whole Israelite community set out from Elim and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai. On the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt, there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Before we go into this, would you all pray with me? 
Lord, we love you. God, you are a good God. God, we worship you. We give you all of our attention now. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would soften our hearts, you would open our minds to receive this word, to receive this word, to digest it, to apply it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 So I don't, I don't know about you parents out there, but in the Thacker household, we had uh, a little bit of a struggle getting the kids up for school. <laughs> I don't know about you, but the alarm goes off, and it's tough to get those littles up and going. And um, you really didn't know if it was going to be all of them or one of them, or, you know, just did, every morning's a new surprise. And, uh, and so Tara came up with a brilliant idea. Let's come up with a competition, a contest, that whoever gets done first and ready for school first gets a point, and the first one to 10 wins, and they, they get a gift. They get a toy of their choice. And so we do this thing, and man, it's working like a charm. I'm like, all right, why did it take this long to come up with this? So Friday, Tara texts me, contest is over. All of them did outstanding. It was awesome. And uh, she texts me, and she's like, hey, over lunchtime, hey, why don't you go ahead and set out the, the gifts for the kids, all right? Set them out, so as soon as we get home, they'll see them. It'll be fun, awesome. And so I'm like, all right, sweet, this will be fun. So I get the kids' toys out. They're just little things. And, uh, and I set it out on the island. So as soon as they walk in from the garage door, they'll see it, and it'll be fun, a little mini Christmas fun, you know? And so sure enough, I hear the garage door open. They get home. I'm starting to get, like, giddy excited a little bit, you know, just like, this will be fun. And uh, so Roman busts through the door. It's Roman. And... <laughs> And as soon as he looks, he sees it on the island, and he just freezes, and he's like, you know, it's just like, oh. So then the girls come right behind him. They go dashing to the island to go get their, their toys, and they start ripping the little things open, and they start to play with them, and it's just like fun, right? It's fun. We, we enjoyed it quite a bit until like 45 seconds later, Tara and I, we walk we kind of start to walk away after all the fun and excitement. And next thing we know, Lila is bawling. We turn around, we're like, wait, what just happened? Like, everything was just outstanding a second ago. And now she is bawling. So we're like, what's, what's going on, baby? What, like, what happened? And she's like, she starts whining, like, tempered. I'm like, like instincts were trying to come out. And I'm like, uh. <laughs> I'm like, what is going on? It's not the exact thing I wanted. So I'm like, Jesus. She immediately goes from complaining. Now, just a second ago, you didn't have a darn thing, and now you have a toy, and we're going to complain about it, right? <laughs> And 
I mean, it was another two minutes later, and she's playing with the toy, happy as can be. You know, it's this roller coaster ride that we're on. But it's like, really? Like, you just got a toy. Are we really complaining about this? This is where we find the Israelites in our story. Right? They are all whining and complaining. Now, let's take a step back. So let's get the full context of how we've gotten here. All right? So the Israelites were slaves, no longer slaves, slaves to the Egyptians for 430 years where they they worked ruthlessly they were they were building and creating bricks and they had to meet quotas and if they didn't they would get whipped and beaten and sometimes just killed because the egyptians didn't really care about them they just cared about them making their stuff and that's their situ- that's their life day in and day out They are killing themselves to build bricks, to build up Egypt, to build this inheritance for Egypt, not even their own inheritance. And they're killing themselves doing this. And then on top of that, Pharaoh ends up, because the Israelites begin to multiply and grow and they keep growing in size, because I guess if you're in slavery and life's miserable, you got to have a little bit fun somewhere. Um, but, but they keep multiplying. Um, and <laughs> I figured I'd get Shay on that one. Um, but they keep multiplying. So Pharaoh says, we got we to gotta chill this out. They, he demands that they kill the baby boys so they can't continue to multiply. So now not only is life just misery, now they look out, out in the river and they can be reminded of what they've done to their little baby boys. How, mis- how can, can it get any worse? For 430 years? So God comes into the picture. He starts working with Moses. He says, hey, I see my people. I'm worried about them. I want to free them. So then he starts working through Moses. Moses starts going to Pharaoh. They start... God starts performing these, he's giving these plagues, right, to, to get them freed out of Egypt. And so all of these amazing, like, crazy God miracle plagues coming through where he's turning in the, the seas into blood and the, the locusts and the, everything's crazy, right? And he ultimately frees them 430 years of killing themselves, and he frees them. It said that there are about 600,000 men plus the women and the children. So, I mean, we're talking about a couple million people are now freed at last. God is so present that he's literally leading them out of, of Egypt by a cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night. I mean, he is, he is guiding, he is present, he is leading them. It's so evident, it's so clear. And right as they're about to, <laughs> right as they're about to kind of get out of the, the boundaries 
of Egypt, God speaks to, to Moses and says, hang on one second, let's not, let's not go quite yet. Tuck back over here and it'll look like you're stuck at the Red Sea and I'm gonna change Pharaoh's heart, I'm gonna harden it and I'm gonna, he's gonna send his army after you and I'm gonna take care of it from there. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm Moses, I'm like, yeah, that's not a good idea. Let's just keep on going, let's get out of here, right? But no, Moses listens, he goes, he does what God says. They look like they're stuck. The army comes, God parts the Red Sea. We just sang about that. He parts the Red Sea. They go through. The Egyptian army comes chasing after them. As soon as they're in the middle of the sea, God closes the sea in on them. He kills and takes off the enemy of God's people, and the people are rejoicing. I mean, wouldn't you? They are rejoicing. They've just been free. God has taken care of their enemy and they're singing songs. Let me read some of it. I will sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. They sang over and over about how all-powerful he is. He's killed off our enemy. He is a warrior In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. The Lord reigns forever and ever, and they're singing and they're rejoicing. What an amazing thing God has done for them. And then three days later, they're complaining because the water that they're supposed to be drinking is bitter. Four hundred and thirty years, three days later. So God hears their grumbling, God hears their complaints. He says, Moses, take this wood, throw it out in the water, it'll be good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so so Moses does it, sure enough, bitter water comes sweet. They have their water. About a month later is where we're at, where we picked up in in chapter 16. About a month later, now here they are, complaining, because now it's not thirsty, now I'm hungry. What is wrong with these people? 430 years of misery, and we're about a month out of it, and we can't stop complaining. Now, in our life group, we've talked about this. A lot of times we read scripture and we're like, what is wrong with these people? You know, like, oh my gosh, it's so obvious. And every time we have that, I have to take a step back because I'm like, no, it, like these are people. Like they're not just, not all these people that we read about are just dum-dums and, you know, like can't figure stuff out, right? How, let me, let me kind of enter the, how does this work? Like, what would I be feeling right now? How would this play out in today's world so that I can really understand this? Because at face value, this seems crazy. And as I was doing that in this scenario, I'm thinking, well, I get it, God. They're just human beings. <laughs> and that's kind of what we do, right? Like it's, we do a pretty good job of complaining and whining and, oh, you guys aren't going to help me? See, we, we either get to this place of fear, right? Whether it's fear of failure or whether it's physical, emotional, whatever fear, right? And then 
rather than persevering and getting through to where we're heading, it's a lot easier to just complain about it and justify that, oh, I'm just good. I'm just good where I'm at. Or maybe just like Lilo didn't quite meet expectations, and so we're just going to complain about it because my expectation was here, and you came right here. So, right? And we, we complain. The disciples, the disciples, they kind of found themselves in a similar situation because what we do as people is when we find ourselves, uh, when we don't like the present that we're in, rather than looking to the future, we like to, to go back to the past of what we know, don't we? Like it's a lot easier just to go back to what I know, even if it wasn't that great. The disciples did it when Jesus was crucified. They're like, you know what? Uh, let me just go back home and I'll do this fishing thing again, right? That's exactly what they did. The past three years, we witnessed some crazy stuff. It was amazing. Well, I guess that's over. Let me go back to what I I know. We also do an awesome job of exaggerating the past. Do an awesome job of that. Oh, the good old days. Back in the good old days. Right? We do it all the time. Oh, the good old days. We do it with relationships. Whether it's a friendship where, you know, maybe you just don't feel like you have friends in your life, and you're like, well, I'll just go back to so-and-so, even though I feel like crap around them, I'll just, at least I know them. Or, or if you're dating and doing your dating thing, but you're single, and you don't want to be single anymore, well, I could call up, you know, I could call up old girl, I could call up a boy, you know, and at least I know them. I mean, the relationship clearly didn't work, uh, but, I, you know, it's, I know them. I was, I was in a, uh, so the bank I work at right now, uh, I, I work with guys that I used to work with at my old bank, all right? So <laughs> there's been times, many of them, where uh, either in meetings or whether it's like a networking event and we're all hanging out and that kind of stuff, where this guy, he will, he will start going on and on about how awesome the old bank was, right? Like, Oh, man, like, it was so awesome when we used to do this, that, and the other. And, oh, all the, the money that we made at the old company and, and, you know, on and on and on about the old company. I'm sitting there like, what? Like, the, the old one? Are we talking about the same thing here? Uh, it's like, if that were the case, I'd still be over here. You know, I'd still be there if that were the case. But, but we glorify, we, we, we make the, the past as if it was what it wasn't. Or have you ever, have you ever talked to someone and... <laughs> <laughs> have you ever talked to someone and they're like, they're like, oh man, back in the day, I used to be like, I used to be like built and shredded. <laughs> and then you're like, I saw a pic, man. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I'm missing here, but we, we compare the present with the past, and we just complain about it. We compare our present with the past, and we complain about it. The Israelites continued to complain. 
I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. I just want to go back to Egypt. Wah, wah. I just... To the point where it became a habit. Because complaining can become a habit. The kids are just driving me crazy. Work is just insane. I'm just exhausted and this is dumb. I'm done with this. Right, babe? (laughs) She might have heard that on a lunch or two, lunch break or two. Oh, my coworkers drive me. If they sing that song one more time at church. (laughs) (laughs) We can create a habit or we can be stuck in a habit of complaining that no matter what situation we're in, no matter who we're dealing with, we're complaining. And at some point, we got to come to grips and say, hang on. Is it all these other things and all these other people, or is it the common denominator? Is it me? It's so easy to point a finger at someone else. It's so easy to do that, to deflect and, oh, that's, that's them. That ain't me. That's, but when do we stop? When do we take a step back? And when do we say, this is a me thing? Because that's what's going to break us free. Now, listen, I hope you guys know me well enough by now to know that I love you guys so stinking much. And that if any of this comes across as condemning, please know that is not the case. Because I struggle with this stuff so much. I am sharing this because I want you to not be stuck in this type of a mentality. I want you to be able to, to pass through that. The, the Israelites, they, were, they ended up in the wilderness for 40 years. It was about a 250-mile journey from, from Egypt to the promised land. Now, I know they didn't have a car, so it's not like they can make that in a couple hours, but they should have been able to make it in about a couple weeks. Their own complaining kept them stuck in the wilderness. Another thing that complaining can do is it can be contagious. It is contagious. It said that the whole community was grumbling. Now, we said that's about 2 million people-ish. I don't think all 2 million out of nowhere at the same time was like, this stinks, right? I think there were maybe a couple people that started, you know what, I'm kind of hungry. And then the next person next to me, like, you know, now that you mentioned that, I'm kind of hungry too. And then they heard it and it spread and, right? It spreads. We, we have it all over. You don't have to look far to see complaining and, and negativity, right? It's all over the news. It's all over social media. It's all over the people around us. I mean, it's everywhere. It's, it's everywhere. So who's in your circle? Who are you listening to? What are you taking in? Because it's a lot easier to go that way 
it's a lot easier just to take on the negativity. It kind of justifies why I'm not further down the path, doesn't it? It kind of justifies why I'm not further down the path. So it's really easy to, to take in and accept for myself. Don't take on that stuff. And please, like, if you hear things on social media and the news and all this stuff, like, just do yourself a favor and do a little bit of homework. Don't just accept everything and, and anything that you hear. Like, for your own good, like, look into it just a bit. Because we can go down this rabbit hole real quick, real quick, and it might not be fact at all. <laughs> so make sure we do this, because listen, I want to break this habit in my own life, and I want it for you. I don't want this complaining mentality. I don't want this negative mentality. I want to break it. I want to be freed from it. I want to be loose of it. You might be asking, well, why did God send his people through the wilderness at all? Right? That's a fair question. Why, why did he even send them through the wilderness at all? Well, they were in the desert, and the word desert itself might be a, a little bit of a clue to us, because in the Hebrew, where that word comes from, that word in the Hebrew means to pasture one's flock. That's what the word it itself meant. And so in the wilderness... Our shepherd was wanting to kind of course correct his sheep. As they started to go astray, you know, kind of course correct, kind of teach them, get them on the right path, make sure that they were getting the right stuff built within them because he's trying to prepare them for the promised land. He's trying to prepare them for the promised land. Can you imagine working your whole life, grinding it out day after day, day after day, year after year, decade after decade, and working so hard to build wealth for your inheritance, for your children's and your children's children. Let's say, let's say you work your tail off to build $5 million worth of wealth. All right? Sounds pretty good. But you never teach your kids and you never instill the right character traits in them to be able to, to know what work ethic is and, and to know how to, to have a, a, a heart that's grateful and, and know how to handle themselves. Now you give them $5 million and they're either it, it, wasting it, right? Or it's spoiling them even worse, right? God is trying to prepare you while you're in the wilderness for what he has in store for you. He is trying to teach you. He is trying to, to kind of show you the way. Now, it's not always easy. <laughs> it's not always easy because he wants the stuff on the inside to change. He doesn't want just your old way coming into this new place that he has for you so you can go right back to your old stinking attitudes. We already talked about that. We go back to that real quick. He wants real change. And the best way to know what's on the inside is to put you in a situation that you don't like to be in. We find out what's on the inside real quick when we're in that situation. So he, yeah, sometimes it's not easy. But no, he is preparing you 
for what he has for you in the future. Something that I, I find interesting here is the Israelites kept complaining, I just want to go back to Egypt. I just want to go back to Egypt. It's like, come on, stop. I'm tired of it. But Moses never did. Now Moses, he was dealing with the vast majority of it. They kept complaining and grumbling to him, but he, he, never, he never said, hey, I, let's, I want to go back to Egypt too. He never did. So what, what is the difference between Moses and the Israelites? So this is where we get into how do we change in the wilderness? Okay, Lord, I don't want to be that. I want to go here. How do I get here? Okay. What Moses had that the Israelites didn't was Moses had already had a personal encounter with God. You must know God. Now, I know of Michael Jordan. I've heard a lot of things. I've seen a lot of cool videos. I know of him, but I know my wife, Tara. I can look at her face and pretty much know what she's thinking, right? Like, I know her. We must know God. We must have faith. We must believe in what, who he is and what he does. See, Moses, Moses had this encounter at a, a burning bush where God had this encounter with him. And this is where God told Moses, hey, I see my people. I want to free my people. I'm going to use you. Still doesn't make it easy. Like I said earlier, it doesn't make it easy. Moses still had a lot of back and forth with Pharaoh. Things kind of got, felt like they got worse for a while there, you know, and, and he stuck to it. Now, I know you, God. I had an encounter with you, God. I'm coming back to you. He kept going back to God, didn't he? He just kept going back to God. I don't know what you're doing right now. I'm not a huge fan of it right now, but I'm going to keep coming back to you. I'm going to trust you. What the enemy meant for evil, I know you're going to work it out for good. I know that. I believe that. I have faith in that because I know who I serve. And then we see, which we didn't, we didn't read through it, but I think Moses knew that he needed to get the Israelites to have their own encounter with God too because when he kept going to Pharaoh, what he ended up telling Pharaoh over and over again was, hey, I want to take my people and I want to take them to the wilderness so they can worship God. That's what he kept saying. If I can get, if I can get them to have the, the, the encounter that I had for themselves, like that's what I know they need. They need to know God for themselves. Before they get to the promised land, they need to get to know the promiser. Because then they'll just turn the promised land into a, a land of idolatry. It'll be about the stuff and the, the grapes and the milk and honey. It'll be about all of that. And they lost it all together that, that it's God. It's the promiser. And honestly, side note, 
as the big C church, I think we've done an injustice here. Because sometimes we preach more about what Jesus can do for you than who he actually is. We'll disciple people on what Jesus can do for you more than who he is. You know what that's like? It's like marrying a, a man or a woman because they got a lot of money. They love them for the wrong reasons. They love them for the wrong reasons. We must know him. We must know him. God did end up feeding the Israelites, just in case we didn't know that. I just kind of left that hanging. Uh, he, he did. He heard the grumbling. He still fed them. He rained down bread. He rained down manna on his people every day. Every six days, I should say. The Bible says that it was like honey bread. Mm, thank you, Jesus. I love me some honey. <laughs> but he did. He, he rained it down every day. Now, he also gave him instruction. I want you to collect a, day, a day's worth. He wants us to seek him daily. The daily bread. He wants us to seek him. If you try to store up more than one day's worth, you're going to wake up in the morning, it's going to be full of maggots, and it's going to reek. That's what it did. But on that, the sixth day, you can, go ahead and, you can go ahead and store up a second day's worth because on the seventh day, I want you to rest and I want you to just sit with me. Do you think he wants a relationship with you? He just wants you to, to sit with him. Isn't it crazy when you do things God's way? Now, hang on. If I did it on day three and I stored up two days worth, it's going to rot and spoil the next day. But when I do it on the sixth day, all of a sudden, the seventh day, it doesn't spoil. And if I go out and try on the seventh day, it ain't there. God's way is the way. He wants a relationship with you so bad. Do you Sabbath? I'll, leave, I'll just leave that hanging. The second thing. So first thing, we must know God. The second thing is we must be positive. We must be positive. That is a core value here at Bridge Church. On our website, you can go look at our core values. And at, under be positive, listen to this. It says, we believe that a life for Christ is lived with joy which is something we seek regardless of the season. Regardless of the season. See, the majority of the feelings that we have when we get in our feelings, and I can get in my feelings, trust me, is, is, has a lot to do with the way that we talk to others and to ourselves. We get all up in our feelings based on the way we talk to one another, and we're good at, at kind of lying, <laughs> like we, whether we say it audibly or not, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's like, oh, my husband, husband doesn't even care about me at all. Like he doesn't care about you at all. Do you really believe that? 
Or, or, man, my wife doesn't show me any, she never shows me any attention. Never? She never shows you attention, ever. But we tell ourselves these things, and then we begin to believe them until we, we just kind of make it happen, don't we? We put it out in, in front of ourselves, and we make it happen. We must be more optimistic. We must change our self-talk from I am inadequate, I am no good, to I am more than a conqueror through him who loves me. We have to change that. We can choose. We've got two options here. We can choose to be positive and optimistic and believe that God has something in store for us, that there's something that he wants to do in and through us, that he wants us to be a part of his kingdom, or we can choose to be negative, pessimistic, closed, self-preserving, selfish. Those are the options. I don't know about you, but I, I choose the former. I, I kind of like that idea. And listen, we, we make that decision about every minute of every day. How, am I going to be positive? Am I going to be negative? About every minute of every day, we're making that decision. The third thing, we must surround ourselves with the right people. You must surround yourself with the right people, people that love you, people that care about you, people that love God that will draw you closer to him, people that will lift you up, that will build your faith, that will encourage you. We've already talked about how we got enough negativity around us. We need to surround ourselves with people that are loving and caring, that will speak love and truth to us, that we can grow. I was talking to a good friend of mine. Um, I'm not going to call him out because I don't want to embarrass him, but Jake Brower. Um, <laughs> if, you know, if you know Jake... I don't know anyone more optimistic, so he's just awesome like that. And so we were golfing yesterday. Blue team, say what? Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> but I was talking with Jake, and I'm like, man, how, how do you do it? How do you stay so optimistic all the time? His very first response to me was, well, I do have, I have my natural highs and good feelings, you know, that, that I'm kind of naturally there. But as soon as I kind of dip below that, I have Sarah, I have my wife, where she sees me, she speaks life into me, she, she course corrects my thought process, she gets me back on track. We need to surround ourselves with the right people. You guys can stand with me as I'm wrapping up. So the first thing is we must know God. The second thing is we must be positive. Third thing is we must surround ourselves with the right people. And the fourth thing is we must be grateful. We must be grateful. When I start my morning with prayer, and when I start my prayer from a place of gratitude, when I tell God about how great he is, how grateful I am for him, how much I love him, how much he has blessed me over 
and over and over again with my beautiful family, all the provisions, and I, you could go on and on and on. When I start my day there, I start, I mean, like, my perspective is, like, how can you, how can you have negative feelings at that point? Like, you start your day from that place versus me rolling out of bed, just kind of in a funky mood. My perspective between those two is night and day. When you are grateful for what he has done, you know, something further down in the reading in chapter 16 that I thought uh, was pretty awesome is the Israelites took some of that manna that God had provided them. And by the way, I don't know about you guys, but like growing up, every time I heard this story, I like envisioned like loaves of bunny bread just like falling from the sky. <laughs> um, and in manna, it was more like, it was more like almost pea-sized manna. So you had to, you had to gather this manna. Um, so your blessing isn't always big. You gotta recognize the small things too. But they took that manna and they put it in a jar and they, they kept it with the Ark of the Covenant because they wanted a reminder. They wanted a, a constant reminder of what God had done for them in the desert, in the wilderness. It was a constant reminder of what God had done and how he provided for them. They actually said, we wanna keep this so we can show the next generation of what God did for us when we were in the wilderness. And that manna, again, it didn't spoil day two. It, it lasted. In the Ark of the Covenant, with the presence of God, it lasted. And it was a constant reminder, how can we set ourselves up to have reminders of what God has done for us? A constant reminder so it can bring us back to, my goodness, God, I am so grateful for what you've done, for what you did. When I was... When I was in it, in the middle of the wilderness, thank you, God. God loves you so much. He really does. He loves you so much. He wants a relationship with you. He wants you to know him. He wants you to be positive. He wants you to have a, a good support system around you with the right people he wants you to have a, a heart of gratitude. And I don't know if you caught it at the beginning of the reading, but God provides for them the manna. He heard their grumbling and their complaining. He still provided for them. 
And not only was it the complaining and the grumbling, I don't know about you, but I don't really love like giving in to my, my children when they're complaining and grumbling, but he did, he still provided. Let's look at what place they were in when he chose to do that. If you could throw up verse one. They came to the desert of sin. In their sin, in your sin, in your complaining and grumbling, God loves you so stinking much. 